today, Ed, is Martin Luther King's birthday. Absolutely. And we are so excited today. We, we're taking a couple of podcasts because we just know how important it is to recognize and remember those appropriate relationships that should be talked about today. Absolutely. And one of those folks that we're having today is our very special guest, and we're so excited to have her jo- here. JoJo's jo- 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 in the house. Yes, and JoJo yes. jo is going to share with us so many important nuggets about you know in the ad space in the art space she is an advocate for art and well-being and we're we're going to jump just jump right into it right absolutely, absolutely all right absolutely. but before we get started i have a question that's probably outside of the questions but i had to ask you jojo you have lived you said in all regions of the u.s yeah wow <laughs> i mean explain explain that to us like did you was do that, that intentional purpose? yeah was that intentional did it just no, it wasn't on purpose or intentional. Um, growing up, you know, my mom was a single mother and she was working, you know, three jobs. So it, it became an opportunity. I was born in the south side of Chicago. Um, it was one of those situations where my grandma raised me. Yeah. <laughs> south side of Chicago, Calumet Park. Um, you know, my mom, my mom worked uh, while she was raising us. And so I lived with my grandmas in between, you know, we did the projects and then we moved to a better community. But as my mom progressed in her career, she wanted to continue to provide us better opportunities. So she moved us down to Atlanta and that's where I spent. Yeah, thanks mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Mothers that make it happen, right? Absolutely, yes, because I was there for a period of time. So I understand. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I grew up in Atlanta and I think that's what kind of gave me my roots. And so my father still lived in Chicago. So I kind of went back and forth. Um, and once I graduated high school, I, my mom, again, had already moved to the Bay Area um, in California. So um, in true fashion, I followed her, went to art school, got my degree there. Um, and it was before the tech boom. <laughs> so when the tech boom happened, I'm like, I can't afford to live in Oakland anymore. You know, it was one of those situations. So then lo and behold, I ended up moving to New York and it was more affordable. <laughs> um, it was, it was at the time. I mean, like you can get, you know, like maybe like a, a burger and a, and a pop for like $5. So I would have considered that affordable <laughs> compared to like the $12 sandwiches I was getting out of San Francisco. So we, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we made New York work for a while and I, I, I adore it. I think New York is still one on my top when it comes to feeling like that's where I discovered myself. Um, but after I had my daughter there, we kind of wanted more space, more opportunity wanted to be closer to family. So we found ourselves here in San Diego, again, thinking that it was cheaper than the Bay Area, but that would <laughs> not, not be true. Not. I'm right there with you in San Diego and it's not cheap. It's not. No. <laughs> I love the pop because I, I was my, cousin, well, my cousin grew up in Chicago and we used to go back and forth to Chicago on the Amtrak train from St. Louis to Chicago. And we would pick her up at the, at the station, the train station there. But she used to always come home and say, I, I want to pop. And I'm like, you're like, pop. What do you mean pop? When you said pop, I'm like, she's a midwife girl. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it's like one of the only like things that I've kept with me from Chicago is like saying pop. <laughs> I can't say soda. <laughs> uh, we're going to dive right into it. But before we do that, I did want to, and JoJo knows this, thank uh, Michael Cox. Uh, yes. With the Fish uh, Magazine and editor-in-chief there and suggesting that we... Uh, speak to JoJo, and we've yes. had a couple of conversations 
uh, with Jojo, just for our audience to know, and just love uh, the work that you do. And we Thank certainly you. wanted to highlight that. But I did want to give a shout out to the official Black magazine and, and ask our listeners to think about subscribing. Absolutely. It is a, it is it's a great magazine. Well it's it's the next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I actually was with Mike um, at the beginning of it all. And just to see to where it is today, it's just incredible. And I'm even glad to or happy I'm able to contribute um, thought pieces and stuff like that, interviews to him as well. But yes, I'm so glad he brought me here. Thank y'all. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. So, Jojo, I must say, you, you've got a lot going on. <laughs> Thank you both in your day job, your career-wise, and uh, with uh, Black, which we're really wanting you to highlight for our our listeners. And we'll certainly talk about both. But uh, before we dig into that, um, we always appreciate individuals that are involved in the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space. Uh Um, And, you know, when you read your bio, and I wanted you to talk to us about or tell us about uh, what led you to the DEIB space? Uh, uh-huh. how'd, you, how'd you navigate into, you know, Dawn and I even talk about oftentimes, we didn't grow up and say we wanted to be owners no. of diversity equity. You know, that was far from our minds. No. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a right. passion. It is. It, you have it, to. it is. When we say this on most of our, I hate to say when we talk to people of color who are in the States, right. it's almost as if you become the expert in the room. Right. And some people shy away from us. Right from it ed and i jumped to it right. it seems yep. like we do the same thing right so tell us about your journey in the diversity equity inclusion space how'd you get here and why do you love it i think and i would have to give huge contributions to san diego for that um i think growing up in all these spaces that were majority people of color majority black coming to a city that I didn't see myself represented so heavily, or I saw a lot of disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of made me reevaluate myself because I felt like I was losing myself here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beautiful part of it was, is that I actually came to San Diego to work for an organization that allowed me to blossom and be me. Um, and what I felt was missing was the connection and understanding. Um, because even though we had a lot of white people in leadership roles, it was a lot of BIPOC and minority marginalized groups that were working, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I I hate to say like in the field, but like ultimately, right? Like we're contributing to their success and there's this dialogue and this passion that you feel amongst each other where it's like, I know they love me, you know what I mean? I know they love the essence of me, but I don't think they understand um, so like when I came into DEI, I, I did want to build that bridge of connection because it's like, I don't love educating white people, but I do love raising the voices of, you know, those who are marginalized and might not see themselves right. because being in this line of work, especially I come from, um, more of like operational backgrounds where I was like fostering a culture. I could see how much passion they had for the work that they did, but they didn't see themselves reflected back or they wasn't getting that equitable treatment or they were being like let off or they were being like, well, if you're not happy here, maybe you should go. And those weren't the answers that solves the problems. You know what I mean? So, um, and, and ultimately I felt like that whole combustion of it all, like causes a lot of harm for how we show up even for each other, or even in our community, because all we wanted to do was appease white people so we can make the money so we can fit in. 
And I was like, there, it has to be another way. And so that's kind of why I stepped into this DEI field because I'm like, and I hate to use the term we're built for it or I'm built for it, but I feel like I'm passionate about it. And that's why I show up. Absolutely, right. absolutely. But it's also how you deliver the message. Yes. You know how to deliver the message appropriately where it is digestible to your mm. audience. Mm-hmm. Is that not a skill? <laughs> no, it is a skill because you can't be too too stern, right? You got to kind of make it fun. You got to make it digestible, palatable for exactly. people to come to understanding. But all wise, you don't realize, they don't realize is that you're educating them and you're sneaking in gems. Because if you do a whole bunch of trainings, okay, cool, I'm just showing up to do the trainings. But if you can embed it, you know what I mean? Those have a little bit more of an everlasting effect. Exactly. exactly Absolutely. 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 Thanks for sharing that. Yes. Absolutely. So, so Ed, I know you, you got to that, your favorite DE&I and B question (laughs) and I'm, and I'm all over the place with a lot of different questions, but I wanted to ask you some questions about your work in the ad council. All right. It's your day job, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, tell our listeners who don't know what the ad council is, Tell them what it is, and then let us share with us your role. Yeah. So I've been with Ad Council for about two months now, and Ad Council is like the leading producers of public service communication. So they're a nonprofit that partners with some of the biggest companies in the U.S. to bring social awareness to pressing issues that we face within the country. So like, you know, love have no labels. So that's when we brought up you know, love is love. And then, you know, we had like the non-vaping campaign for like the youth. Um, going way back um, at council is the reason for Smokey the Bears, Gruff McGruff. And um, so when the opportunity came to join them, I was like, they line with who I am morally, right? So it made it a little bit easier to kind of make that decision. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. And I don't mean to interrupt no, you, but right. no. it's very important it to, for our listeners and even our youth today, mm-hmm. uh, when you're looking for work, I mean, you want to make sure that their values and, yes. and really align with yours, right. right? Not every company is due. But anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But when you No, start- no, no, absolutely. I, that was one of the hardest decisions I had to make because, again, I left a company that um, I was with for five years and a program that I had started um, that was mine. You know what I mean? Like, it was literally everything that I built. So I wasn't just going to leave for money. I wasn't going to just leave for the title that I've been asking for. I was going to leave because I knew that I was going to grow there and we're going to have an impact on each other. So exactly what you're saying. And that's important to share with our listeners so that it is about finding your passion. That's how you have longevity in your roles, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, and I know you haven't been there a long time. So I want to know what are your intentions in your current, in the new role? Because you've only been there two months. Yeah. You can't say what have you done because you just got there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) True. What are you you excited about? Yeah. What are you excited about? What are you thinking about? trying to do and we're not going to tie you to it and come back to you in like six years and say jojo did you do that? we're not going to do that so. thank you <laughs> you know um i'm filling it out i i got the opportunities to talk to the ceo president um of it ad council clear. it starts there yeah yeah and actually we actually she got back on the phone with me when i was hesitant to join um and yeah, which never happens. Even she's like, I don't do this, you know? So there's something she saw in me that right. she was just like, we need you here. And there's something powerful about that because again, going back, 
I had been competing or fighting with my current company and be like, hey, I know you see me, but where is my value? Where is my worth? Where are you showing up for me at? So, so um, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because please. I keep thinking and forgetting that you people can't see us. But when you said the CEO connected with you, our, both of our eyes got big, like, right. really? Wow. <laughs> and so yeah. well, we didn't put, we didn't verbalize the wow. So I want to put the wow out there right. like, wow, that's exactly. major. That's that means huge. they care. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Exactly. It shows that they care. And, you know, I know that going into this, that wasn't perfect. Um, actually, the reason why they started the DE&I department was about a year and a half ago. Um, they have a collective of ERG, so employee resource groups, and their mosaic, the one that leads to people of color, they wrote a letter and they were just like, hey, um, we have some demands within this organization. Like externally, they're doing a lot of good work internally. Eh. But just like anybody else during that George Floyd, it was the opportunity for us to kind of speak up and demand what we needed to be able to show up during those hard times, right? Um, so they had demanded that they started a DEI program and that they hired a chief equity officer. Um, so meeting that chief, chief equity officer, and again, she's only been there for about a year and a half. I was floored by her. Um, I have never had a mentor. Everything that I've done, I basically created off of just pure empathy, you know what I mean? Like, and just smarts, just seeing what the world needs, being a part of that, being a part of uh, multiple marginalized groups and just kind of making it happen. Um, but knowing that I would have a mentor who's done this, who's led this group, um, who's had successes even in other places in her own businesses, I'm like, I can learn from her. Like, ad council is cool, but this is who I need to be with, right? This is who I need to work with to kind of, um, grow myself in my own personal endeavors and career. So she was the reason why I decided to come to Ad Council. Um, and yeah, and like, since I've been here, they've been doing so many good things as far as like bringing training as an awareness and stuff like that. But that, again, that's all fun and dandy, but my mission is to connect to the people. That's right. my right. goal. Right. You know, to check the box, but right, to check the right, right. Yes, right. Ex exactly. Because I know how it goes, right? We can say we're doing all this training, we can bring up numbers, those numbers and data and whatever that does count for something. But unfortunately, what I have realized is that again, a lot of marginalized people will take things that they should not endure because they think that this is it, like this is as good as it gets. They'll deal with a lot because, like, oh, there's some pluses and you know, some minuses, but those minuses also need to be addressed. And that's where I feel like I come in at. So you're leading me to the next question. So, <laughs> what, so what are you doing to make people feel like they belong, that they're seen? And they can bring their authentic selves authentic to work. Authentic self that's to so work. That's so very important. Yes, absolutely. I love that, bringing authentic self to work. Um, with the Ad Council so far, um, it's it's a, a whole lot of initiatives that we have going on, which is great. It's, it's, it's great. Um, but one of the biggest things that they have is that, um, excuse me, um, we have worked with um, a, a guy named John Singleton. He's a thought leader and also a strategist who created this program called Courageous Conversations. And it's a framework for uh, systemic racial equity transformations. And what I love with it, at least the part that I've been involved with, is a two-day workshop talking about race mm -hmm. <laughs> and with a diverse group of people within the organization. Right. Um, I attended one. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy place to show up in. Yes. But the way that they navigated those conversations and those hard moments 
was so flawless that I was happy to share and be open about my own personal experiences. So, and um, we, even with that, after we concluded that we've done a few cohorts, so we're making sure that everyone who joins or who's been there is a part of these conversations because we want it to be more embedded in our dialogue and how we kind of communicate with each other. Wonderful. That, that, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Cause it's, it's hard to have those difficult conversations with and about is it different levels? Are you talking about all different levels you're participating yep. in? So that's wonderful. Yep, everyone from across the board has to join these. Um, so we're there with senior leadership all the way down to, you know, the assistance entry level positions right. um, across, you know, all uh, races and ethnicities having those hard dialogues. And um, yeah, I thought it was incredible. I am so glad that I was able to have that opportunity and that we're continuing to do that. And on top of that, um, we are working with a platform called Dandy, um, who is a data platform that showcases um, DEI, who creates DEI reports. Okay. So, yeah, so along with our commitments, the way that we're showcasing our work and our commitment is through data. So, we're able to see how we're tracking with um, the inclusions. You know, um, are we, you know, hiring or how's your attrition going? Um, are we being intentional with who we're bringing in, not just with race, but with age and different departments and stuff like that? So I love that we have that platform as a tool. And what was the name of the platform again? Dandy. So D-A-N-D-I. Nice. 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 Now tell us a little bit about your diversity leadership group. Is that part of what we talked about thus far? Is that something totally different? So the diversity leadership group is completely separate, and because um, our DNI team is just it's just two of us, um, it's me and the chief equity officer. Um, and what I love is that we have this diverse leadership group. So anytime before we put out any kind of campaigns or any like social things, that we have this board that we uh, talk to, and they're from Facebook. Um, what else? Uh, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn, Instagram. Yeah, it's from all these different places. And what we do is we talk to them and they're usually not just a white, they're not just white people. They're also people of different race to be like, how does this feel? Go before we put it out to the world. How does this feel? And even with that, even in a partnership with that, they also sponsor, because again, we're a nonprofit, they sponsor a lot of our initiatives. So uh, Lowe's, for instance, had paid for and sponsored our fellowship program where we had a five-week five program um, dealing with, or sorry, educating and working with people from HBCUs. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, Lowe's had sponsored it. And um, I attended, that was one of the first things we did when I started. So being a part of that was transformative. I bet. Uh, so it's five weeks? Yes, it was a five week, like from Monday through Thursday, I think it was like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m program with uh 13 fellows also paid we paid them which okay. was great we paid them to show up and learn and again my boss had brought in other industry leaders from everywhere to come in and talk um and we also had them show up do presentations um we've had it was just a complete transformative experience that i wish i had coming into the industry as a young adult so that's major so you were so so you have some of the advertisers and sponsors from big companies like Lowe's. Um, they they pay for that. So is that how you is that how you provide funding to some of these activities? You go to absolutely. 
um, not the nonprofit, every pretty much everything is funded. Um, we look forward to our yeah our sponsors and partners to kind of fund all of our initiatives. Um, you know, even like the designs agencies that we work with, they're donating their time and work to to the ad council. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So uh, I'm well, switch gears well, where we are. Well, before I get into some other yes. uh, topics, I did want to give you an opportunity, Jojo, to talk about your photography. Mm. Your because I could tell you, I'm looking at your, our audience can't see <laughs> there, but absolutely beautiful. But work. imagine and, if you could see. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but talk about, I mean, how'd you get into the photography and, and the, I mean, obviously you have a lot of passion, you know, with but. Your photography is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, so I, I did get my degree in photography. Um, I went to the Academy of Art University. It was one of those situations where I kind of fell into it. My mom was like, you have to go to college. And I'm like, for what? Yeah, I was like, I'm not good at math. You know, <laughs> I had to think about it. And um, I was really passionate about film and in, in high, I'm oh, sorry, in high school. And um, it was one of those things I had just picked up a camera and it clicked. Um, and I don't necessarily take photos now, but what I realized was that my passions and my drive just came from the art experience itself. And so um, a lot of my original work literally came out of my depression. I think that was some of my best work, but I think that's what it's there for, right? Art, art is a realm to express yourself. So um, being able to create a platform for for that for artists to kind of hold space and educate each other or even discover new stuff about ourselves is um, one of the driving forces of of my work very nice absolutely beautiful all right so let's switch gears a bit and talk about jojo's entrepreneurial side right <laughs> yeah well, let's do it full-time you know day job but i really <laughs> want our listeners to understand your the black I mean, and that's B-L-A-C for our B-L-A-C. And we visited your website. We love the website and what you're doing there. But tell our listeners about the birth of Black and what, you know, some of its objectives and your target audience, what's been some of your achievements. And let's talk. I really want our listeners to understand what you're trying to do there because I think it's, we think it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It is. Thank you. So um, again, contributing to my move to San Diego, um, when I got here, I just, I um, felt lost and I was reaching out to try to find communities and what I was just finding was just a whole bunch of like clubs, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And as a mom and a single mom at that time, I was trying to realize like what, will it take to bring people together? What will it take for people to feel confident? I think it was so uh, effortlessly in New York and the Bay Area and Atlanta, just to kind of find a community or a group of folks that we just wanted to be around each other. We just wanted to work with each other. And I wasn't finding that here. And so what uh, BLAC came into fruition, it stands for Black Liberated Artist Collective, was that I wanted to do just like that. I just wanted to build a collective and a space where we're learning and preserving our culture through art um, and showcasing artists with different skills and backgrounds and trying to find commonality within our own geniuses. 
Um, I think one thing that the word that I had learned that I kind of self-diagnosed myself with, and I'm actually trying to unlearn it, was imposter syndrome. And I think my imposter syndrome started, and I will contribute a lot of that is to being in majority white spaces, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like um, altering myself to show up for them, then I kind of lose myself because I don't feel that I'm showing up authentically myself, but then the evolved version of myself to be um, received. So all that aside, art is this purest form of expression, again, to me, so how can we liberate ourselves through that? Right. Wow. <laughs> wow. And so um, talk about some of the, um, the work with Black. Talk about some of the, what you feel has been accomplished so far. Yeah. Um, and then, I, then I'll ask you um, about what's on the horizon. But for now, talk about what, what, what are you most proud of? With, with black and, and uh, yeah, what are you most proud of? I think I'm most, I am most proud of was, uh, or is that I had started BLAC during the pandemic. Um, it was something that I had in my mind for years and I just kept putting it to the side because my um, original envision of it was to create a co-working space for black artists. And I actually wanted to move back home to Atlanta to do that, that was my goal. Um, and then the pandemic hit and I was like, okay, well, that's not happening. (laughs) So what else can I do? So I started to create this online platform. Um, I just reached out to artists, big name artists, small artists, people that I knew as like, I have such a vast network lean into it. Um, so I just started off having conversations, reaching out to artists and asking the question, how does being black affect your art? Um, and then we would do a write up and I would showcase their work. And um, something so small as a little small question, I think actually makes you really think because a lot of people don't contribute their blackness to their genius or their work, right? Right. So um, I think having those dialogues early on during such a hard time, like the pandemic, where we're all kind of reevaluating ourselves and how we show up um, was a great pivotal point for me to, again, kind of rediscover who I was, especially starting DE&I. It's like, white people's going to be there how do I show up for my people and then still like engage with other people as well? Like, how do we bring them into this space to let them know like, Hey, we're bringing this to you. So you can also educate yourself, um, in a safe space, safe space for us. So, um, that was probably my, my biggest goal and biggest success. Um, also working alongside, um, another, uh, agency called tunnel vision, where we started to create a little mini docu-series um, highlighting uh, artists. Um, stay tuned for that. Uh, but highlighting artists and, you know, those who know themselves and empower um, through, again, their art and their genius. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I really liked what you said about the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> right? But it's so true. It is. Right? It I is. Mean, it is. Years, I know I can speak personally for years, I did show up for, for other, people. other people. Yes. I was in my yeah. you be for yourself. years. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think we all do. Yeah. I think because they say you have three faces. You have the face that you show the world, mm-hmm. show your loved ones, and the face you show to no one. And I believe that that is true. Yeah. But if you have to keep showing the face that you show to others all the time, you forget who you are. Yeah. So yes. 
I applaud you for that. Thank you. Yeah, you start to doubt who you are. And I think, again, like having to go outside of myself to make sure I'm smiling on camera, to make sure I'm palatable, to have hard conversations and be like, was that okay? Was my tone all right? Like it, it brings in that, that imposter syndrome was like, are you good enough for this? Like there's only so, so much that you can do that steps outside of who you really are to show up for others that you just like literally get um, anxiety, just waking up. That's how I was getting, you know? And I, and I find that we, people of color always have to have considered our tone when we speak to others. Now it's fallen upon those others to watch their tone. Absolutely. Their approach. Because, you know, and you have to say, that really wasn't appropriate. And we haven't always said that. We've just been, oh, it's okay. Yeah. That's not appropriate. Let's not talk like that. Let's not do that. So, uh, you know, it's so honest to yourself to say, I was dealing with imposter syndrome. Some of us will never say that. Yeah. this is who I am. No, that's not really who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a hard look in the mirror to, to do that. And I'm trying to step away from like using it as a crutch when dealing with anxiety and stuff, but you do have to acknowledge it first. Right. Now, when we started the call, we were talking about something that you were dealing with an organization around mental health. Yeah. You want to yeah. Talk a little bit with that with us? With the yeah. With yeah. BLAC? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's kind of entwined with art and healing, but um, we are starting or having a gallery experience at uh, Mesa College um, with Mesa College World Art uh, Permanent Collection, curated by Dr. Denise Rogers, and um, who's phenomenal. So she's already having a gallery showing um, at the same time that we are. And she's showcasing all these uh, African artifacts in its uh, rightful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, your faces. Uh, she has a crazy amount of African artifacts and even East Asian artifacts that she that she has. Um, and so she's showcasing it in these exhibits um, at Mesa College. And so she graciously decided to collaborate with us. So I'm highlighting three artists as well as some of her African art, uh, artifacts in our space at yeah. Mesa College. And how can I listen to, yeah, yes. exactly. Well, yeah, can, what is this? Like, yes, oh. yes. <laughs> Please come, um, it's February 17th. And the purpose of this, again, is um, to showcase um, art using sound, but also visuals to uh, let the artists uh, express themselves and connect to their blackness. Um, and the objective is for the audience to kind of discover new parts of themselves through a different lens, right? Like when we take in art, we connect through it, through our own experiences. And so what we're hoping is that, you know, diving back into uh, the past with these uh, beautiful artifacts and listening to, you know, my peers um, talking about, you know, their Black experiences through art. Um, is hopefully going to be transformative for the end opti- and like uh, create optimism for the future. That's what we're hoping. And but the art will also live there. Um, again, it's at a college. The art will also live there um, outside of our receptions. But yeah, those are the big the big vet days. Yes. All right. So, so we're definitely going to stay connected. Yeah, definitely. Please. 
for you. Yeah. Well, you know, as, as we want to give people nuggets, we gave them information about what the what the ad council is doing, what you're doing with black and the art exhibit. If I were a young person who is in college right now, and I'm trying to figure out, you know what, I love art, I love um, all of this, that what you're doing is exciting me. How would I have an opportunity to collect to connect as a student at an HBCU? Mm-hmm. With you. Yes. Um, so I open myself to mentorship, to guidance, to even connecting with my resources. I love that. I'm actually, um, even outside of that fellowship program, I'm still connected with a lot of those um, young adults to provide whatever resources that I can. And I would love to continue to do that. If I had this at my younger years, instead of just figuring it out and going through everything that I did, I feel like I would have been in a better place, maybe not even in DNI. Who knows, you know, but I would love to provide that opportunity and either through my Instagram, through the website or whatever, there's links to connect directly to me um, so I can provide resources um, to whatever, whatever they need. Okay. Okay. Great. Wonderful. Well, we definitely will stay connected, Jojo, because I I have a lot of ideas in my head on how we can. (laughs) Please. I love ideas. (laughs) really do it does yeah you know through our blog and our website i would love for you to write something around this for our uh, folks to visit our website and things but anyway we'll talk about that absolutely so um so what's next i mean you got a lot (laughs) i mean what what what's uh what's on the horizon for jojo for black more collaborations. Honestly, um, I have opportunity um, to host another gallery um, exhibit in April. I don't know what that looks like yet. I am taking admissions if you have any resources or people that might be interested, but it's just to continue to foster this inclusivity in San Diego. And um, with that, maybe finding sponsors, as much as I would love to continue to provide free access to all the things. I still want to get my artists paid. So (laughs) building connections. Yeah. Right. Like building connections, um, continue to learn um, and grow and foster these deepen and deepen these relationships that I'm making. Um, Because again, you know, at those moments where I think I like need to leave San Diego uh, until I do, if I do, I'm here to build something. (laughs) Absolutely. And Jojo, I, I think we may have touched on this or not. Black is nonprofit, right? You're a you're a nonprofit organization. Or... I'm not a nonprofit yet. Um, I'm I'm an LLC, but I, I just got my LLC. I'm still kind of figuring it out which direction I want to go into because um, I haven't made profits yet, so it, it's still open. But I could I could see yes yeah yes. the nonprofit arm and how there could be sponsors for such work. A collaboration right. with schools, yeah, exactly. universities, right. all of that. So, I want all of that. Yeah. <laughs> all of that for Jojo. All of that. <laughs> Jojo, thank you so much for spending this time with us today. We have gained so much from this time. You, you know, you have, you know, we always say thank you for meeting us at the intersection of diversity and inclusion and you mm. were right there with us. So we thank appreciate you. you. We will publicize your upcoming events and put the word out there on Black. And that's B-L-A-C, not C-K, but C. And then send folks your way regarding the Ad Council. But thank you so much. Thank you. um, Some of the diversity intersections.